Welcome to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Carol Perlman, a psychologist, health coach, and married mom of two boys. I went from a frazzled working mother who hit snooze until the last possible moment to a vibrant business owner who jumps out of bed at 5 a.m. excited about my day. I once felt completely overwhelmed by my endless task list, but have learned to work smarter, not harder, by studying health habits, mindset, and time management. I love to teach others how to implement top recommendations for health, happiness, and success. Yes, busy moms can follow a nutrition plan that supports their goals, create a daily exercise routine, and stay on top of their to-do list, and go to bed feeling fantastic about the day. Tune in each week as I share my best strategies for creating and sustaining daily habits for a healthy lifestyle, and chat with other experts in the health and wellness industry. Now on to this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Carol Perlman, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode today. I've been on break for a couple of weeks, and I'm back feeling rested and revitalized from some time in the sun. And I'm super excited to bring you today's episode on removing gluten from your diet. So let me give you a little context on why this topic is feeling so relevant for me to discuss today. So I started my health coaching business, let's see, it's been about eight years now. And what the reason behind this, you may know some of this story, but what I was seeing was that patients and people that I knew were going to the doctor or they were developing various health conditions and their doctors were making recommendations for them to change their diet in order to manage these health conditions. And yet, doctors have, in general, such little time to spend with patients that I was feeling that it was a huge setup for frustration because being told or being advised to make a dietary change is a really big deal. When you think about it, we have to manage our food intake you know, maybe 16 hours a day, 17 hours a day. And it is not easy under the best of circumstances. It's not always easy. But then when you have to make a radical change, it is a really big deal. It can feel very hard. And a lot of people are not getting the support, the information, the guidance, the feedback. And so it's not a, an ideal setup for success. And so I got to thinking that there's a lot of room for using all the skills that I have as a psychologist to help people who have a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings and a lot of behavioral challenges when it comes to making such a big lifestyle change. And so I wanted to be able to use these cha- these skills that I have to help people in this area and really support what was going on with their uh, the rest of their medical team so I could really get into the nitty gritty, the day in and day out. How do you overcome all of the challenges? How do you figure out what the challenges are and how do you put a plan in place so that you can succeed and achieve the health outcome that you desire? I'm super passionate about this work and I feel so strongly that our nutrition plays a significant role in our health and how we feel uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, and that it's a really important area for us to address and devote time and energy to. And so I love doing this work. I've loved, I've worked with hundreds of clients over the past eight years, and I've truly, truly loved this work. Well, let me tell you, 
Uh, several months ago, I began having some challenges, some minor health challenges with inflammation. And sure enough, what happened was my doctor suggested to me that I remove gluten from my diet. He actually suggested that I remove gluten and dairy from my diet initially. And so I'm coming to you today with firsthand experience um, combined with what I know professionally and intellectually, but really more so firsthand experience of what it is like when you try to make a major nutritional change like removing gluten. Now, I want to make it clear that I'm sharing this episode today, not because I think everybody needs to remove gluten from their diet. People do it for different reasons. There are some people who um, have celiac disease. They have a, a significant allergic reaction to gluten. And it is super, super important that they, that they eliminate it and that they are highly vigilant for all possibilities of cross-contamination. Then there are other people who make the decision to eliminate it because they notice that they just feel better, that their energy levels are better, are energy levels are better. Their weight control is a little bit easier. Um, for some people, it helps to minimize joint pain and, and joint inflammation. So people choose to eliminate gluten for a lot of reasons. And again, I want to highlight it, underscore, I'm not here to say that I think everybody should. But if you are someone who has been either told that you should, or you've been kind of feeling that you would want to try it, it's a big deal. And I want to try to make that process easier for you. And so I'm going to share, I'm going to walk you through the different stages that I went through as I had to go through this. It's now, I can't believe it's been almost six months. Uh, yeah, it's been five or six months now. So I'm in a very different place now than I was at the beginning. But I'm going to be honest with you. If you asked me what was my first reaction when my doctor told me this, it was sheer panic. Oh my God, this is major. Gluten is in so many different foods that I eat. And it's in so many foods that I love. How am I going to do without them? And how am I going to maintain my vigilance to work around them and find other things to eat and still feel good and have the energy that I want? It was pure panic. And, you know, what happens when we feel panic? We kind of have that deer in the headlight look and we kind of freeze. And that is literally what happened to me. It took me a couple of days to really let this sink in. And I was just kind of stuck in that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How am I going to do this? This feels really, really hard. And then following the panic was a lot of doubt. Can I do this? I mean, this is a major commitment. This is going to involve giving up foods that I truly love that make me happy. And I've been doing a lot of work to find a really good balance and to really develop a good relationship with food. And I don't want to undo all the work that I've been doing. And I was just overcome with doubt that I was even going to be able to pull this off. But then I got to thinking of the irony here, that this is the work that I am so passionate about. And this is the work that I've been doing with others. And if for no one else, I have to do this for them. I have to do this because I have to show that I can practice what I preach. And if I can help others and if I'm so committed in helping others, then I have to make that same commitment to myself and I figure this out. And so I got on board and I said, all right, we are going to do what it takes and we are going to do this. And one of the things that this is this is my reaction when it comes to a lot of different things. When something big is happening or when I'm going through a big change, I tend to seek out what I call my quote unquote board of directors. 
and this is my unofficial board of directors. They are the people in my life who have expertise or experience in certain areas. And I like to talk about it. Whatever's going on for me, I like to find other people that I can talk to about it who might be able to guide me or just commiserate with me. And so I don't feel so alone in the situation. So I am fortunate to know a lot of people in the medical field, a lot of people in the health and wellness and nutrition field. And so I reached out to someone that I know and said, oh my God, I was just told I have to go gluten and dairy free. I'm freaking out. And this is what she said to me. Two, two key things. Number one, she said, you can do this. And I know that she's been doing this for many, many years. And so deep down, I know that if she can do it and if so many other people can do it, I know I can do it. But she reminded me, you can do this. And she said, come back to your why. Why is this so important to you? Well, that answer is really very easy because my health is my number one. Our bodies, our body's ability to function, our body's ability to achieve ideal and optimal health is everything because without our body, we are nothing. We are no longer here. And so to me, there's no better incentive than needing my body to be healthy, my body, my mind, my emotions to be healthy so that I can live a full life and do everything that I love to do. So the why is not hard to find. The why is because my health is my number one. And so therefore, I need to do whatever I need to do to preserve my health. So I had that exchange with this friend and I got that little jolt. She reminded me, yes, I can do this. She reminded me to think about my why. My why is very clear. So, all right, we're going to do this thing. So what next? So there's a strategy that I like to teach other people when it comes to managing nutrition and managing uh, weight goals or working towards weight goals, weight loss goals. And that is that, you know, most of us eat a lot of the same foods over and over again. We have the same meals. And, and so it's not like we need to come up with 50 different new ideas for breakfast and 50 new ideas for lunch and 50 snacks and 50 ideas for dinner. Really, we probably would be fine with about five of each. Maybe we like to rotate our dinners more. So maybe we might want 10 dinners to rotate. But I have this technique that I like to teach others, which involves index cards. And the idea is that you take an index card and you write on one side the menu idea for each meal. Let's take breakfast, for example. So I would suggest taking five cards and we would come up with five meals that would work for breakfast that would work regardless of um, or not regardless, but relevant to the specific plan that a given person is following because we're all different. And we all are following different nutritional plans and have different nutritional needs. So we take into consideration what is this one person's nutritional needs. And then we would come up, which, by the way, are determined by someone else, not me. I'm a psychologist, not a dietitian. So we defer to the other experts experts to define what the nutrition plan is. But then I become the how-to person. How do we make that happen day in and day out? So um, with the professional guidance, we identify the five breakfasts that will work and we write them on the front of the index card and then we turn them over and write all the ingredients that you would need to make this meal. And so I, t I set out to do the same thing for me. So, okay, so if I have to eliminate gluten, then some of the foods that I used to have for breakfast are not going to be available. But you know what? Many of them still are. And so I was able to come up with my options for my meals. And I would actually even suggest 
starting even smaller than five, especially when you're making such a big change, that even three is fine. Just having three options that you can rotate through. But my point is that you got to put some time and some thought into it, into making a plan, just like if you were going to do anything else major, if you were going to do, if you were going to buy a house, you would do a lot of research on neighborhoods, what you want in the house, uh, the school system, you would look into mortgage rates, you would compare different um, mortgage brokers. I mean, and same for anything else major. If you're going on a vacation, you're not going to willy-nilly just book any kind of hotel and book any kind of airline, the first one that pops up on your browser. You're going to do research and you're going to make sure you're choosing the right airline, the right hotel, the right trip that's going to work for you. So our nutrition is the same. So we're going to carve out some time and devote time to just thinking about this and doing research. And sometimes when we just carve out the time and just think about it, we can come up with a lot of these answers on our own. But if you can't, then you can go on online and go to Google and and start researching gluten-free breakfast ideas or gluten-free breakfast meals. And there's so much information out there. So you can browse through, pick out three that you like, write them on the cards, and then write all the ingredients on the back. And you don't have to do all of this in one sitting. So, you you know, you could maybe devote a half hour, maybe an hour and take care of breakfast, then put it all down and then sit back down another time and work on lunch and then sit down another time and work on dinner and then another time for snacks. So it might take you several days to do this, but if you invest this time up front, come up with the ideas, then you have a plan and you know what foods you or what meals you can rotate through. So that was really helpful to figure out what are some new options are going um what are some new options going to be for me and again some things could stay some things that I had typically in my rotation could stay or maybe I needed to make a, a small tweak like for example I don't need a ton of pasta but in the winter there's one dish that I do like to make with pasta so I did some research on what are some good gluten-free pastas and tried a few, you know, some of them I think are gross, but then I did find one that's made from brown rice that I thought was a really good option. And so now I know that's just the new way that I'm going to make this recipe. And by the way, I make it for the whole family this way. So not that they, not that I'm making them eat everything gluten-free with me, but especially when it comes to dinner, when I'm cooking for everyone, I have been known to make four different meals for four different people, but I'm really trying to cut back on that. And so there are some simple swaps that I can make so that it is a meal that's okay for me as well. So um, so that's how you manage it at home is you take the time to plan, do a little research online, come up with your options, but keep it simple. These don't have to be complicated recipes. And like I said, you don't need 20, 30 different options. You can even just start with three and just get comfortable rotating through these three. And then as those become more natural, more habitual, then you can work to add some new ones in over time. So that's how to make it work at home. But of course, as you know, and as you can imagine, there are other challenges. So what happens when you have the opportunity to go out to eat and you are still wanting to stay true to this commitment to a gluten-free plan? I'm not going to lie. I think eating in a restaurant while you are gluten-free is a challenge and while you are gluten and dairy-free is an even greater challenge, but it can be done. And there are a lot of wonderful communities out there. So I found a really great Facebook group for people who are eating gluten-free. I think it's in Massachusetts specifically. Um, 
I imagine they have them for all sorts of regions. And this group is really wonderful. And people identify products and restaurants that are more sensitive than others to gluten-free sensitivities. So there are some restaurants that are known to be super good with food allergies. And then there are some that are known to be terrible. So you can do a little bit of research and steer yourself towards the restaurants that are going to have a gluten-free menu. They're going to take this seriously. They will have managers or staffs that will come over and talk to you and really build your confidence that they are honoring your needs and that you can feel safe. Um, Another thing you can do is go online. If you know that there's a plan to go to a certain restaurant, maybe you're in a situation where you don't necessarily have control. You're going out with a group and someone else chose the restaurant. Well, you can do your research before you get there so that you are prepared and not caught kind of deer in the headlights trying to figure it out. You can pull up their menu online. You can even call uh, call, you know, when the restaurant opens before they get busy, speak to a manager and make a plan. Investigate what the options are. Decide what's going to work for you. Talk to your manager to gain confidence or make any adjustments um, that you might need so that when you go in for the dinner, you already know how you're going to succeed with that meal. One of the skills that you will need to really practice is this ability to advocate for yourself, to talk to strangers and to be really clear about your needs. And I know this can be really hard for some people. (laughs) I know some people who in a restaurant don't even want to ask, you know, for ice in their drink or no ice in their drink, or they would never send a meal back if it wasn't cooked properly or if there was something really wrong with it. And that's not going to fly. If you are trying to follow a major nutritional guideline, you're going to have to work that muscle. And it may feel really hard at first, but just like anything, the more you do it, the easier it will become and the more confident you will become in your ability to really advocate for your needs. But you're going to have to do it. Otherwise, you will get yourself in trouble. Um, And especially if you are someone who has more severe allergies, do not want to put yourself in the situation of accidentally being exposed to an allergen. So it's going to mean talking to the wait staff, talking to the managers, really grilling them, finding out about ingredients. Not every restaurant lists every single ingredient that they put in a dish on the menu. So you may think from the way they describe it on the menu that it looks like it'll be gluten-free, but you really don't know what's in it. And so you have to make it really clear that you are following a gluten-free plan or whatever the plan is and make sure that they know that so they can scrutinize the ingredients. You can ask them to bring labels to you if they have any prepared foods or kind of prepackaged foods that they're using. You can ask them to bring the label to you. This is why it can help to do this research in advance so you're not having to do this at the table. But at the end of the day, you just might have to and that's okay. And you may talk to the people that you're with in advance and let them know this is what I have to do. Just bear with me. Don't mind me. And, you know, it'll be over. We'll move on and have a good time. I actually called up, there was a pizza place that was known to have a gluten-free pizza crust, which is I was all excited about, but I was also told to eliminate yeast. And so a lot of gluten-free products are great from the gluten-free standpoint, but they do have yeast in them. And so I called up this very busy pizza place in the middle of dinnertime rush and asked them about the ingredients in their pizza crust. And the guy who answered the phone, I don't know if he was the owner, whoever he was, he was so kind. And he got the label, he snapped a picture of it and he texted it to me so I could investigate. And sure enough, it had yeast in it. And so that wasn't going to be a good option for me. 
That one was kind of easier because I didn't have to look at this person. I didn't see him. I wasn't face to face, but I knew I just had to advocate and make sure I knew what I was getting to make sure that it would, it would work for me. Uh, these days, you know, I've, I mean, this isn't something that I personally have really struggled with. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily feel terrible about asking wait staff to fix something for me or to get me more information. But I know that for a lot of people that can be really, really hard. So it's just going to be something to practice and get better and better at. And there is no greater incentive than your own health and your well-being. So here's where the good news comes in. Okay, so we've gotten through the hard part. There's the initial panic. There's the doubt. There's the feeling overwhelmed. There's the need to spend some time and do some research and come up with your list. There's the need to work on this muscle of advocating for yourself and talking to wait staff and talking to managers. And I know all of that can feel hard, but here's where it gets better is that all of this becomes more automatic over time. The more you do it, the more it becomes automatic. It's just what you do. Yeah, these are the three options I have for my breakfast and this is what I rotate through. Yeah, these are the five options I have for lunch and that's what I rotate through. Oh, this is the swap. I now buy brown rice pasta instead of regular pasta. That's just what we do. So as time goes on, you really don't have to think about it. You know what works and it doesn't occupy a lot of time. It doesn't have to occupy a lot of brain space, a lot of energy. It's just what you do. And that's really the beauty of it, that you are doing what you need to do and you are benefiting from it. But life goes on and you go back to focusing on other things. And it's really not that big of a deal. You still have to be vigilant. And I'm not saying that vigilance isn't a big of a deal, as big of a deal. But day to day, it becomes more automatic and habitual and you don't have to think as much about it. And then somewhere along the lines is also the need to find acceptance that this is just what I'm doing, whether it's short term, whether it's forever, it just is what it is. And this is the lifestyle I'm going to follow. I'm going to benefit from it. I'm going to feel a lot better. I might meet some really wonderful people who will support me along the way. I'll learn some great skills for advocating for myself or advocating for a family member. And it just is what it is. And I got to move on. The more you protest and the more you fight it, then the more it's going to take over your life and create more problems for you. And then the very end of the process is that you just don't think that much about it. You know, again, you still have to have your eyes open to make sure, especially in restaurants, to make sure that there isn't an accidental exposure. But especially when you're at home, it just becomes automated. These are the foods we have in my house. These are the foods I have at my meals. And I don't even have to think that much about it. That's what actually surprised me as I started thinking about it, that it's been almost six months. I don't think a lot about it now um, at home, for sure. It's just what I do. And I've become pretty comfortable with it. I'm always on the lookout for more options but and more ideas. Um, but day to day, it really has come to feel more automatic. Now, I will add a little footnote at the end. We recently traveled and I did not practice what I preach and I did not do my research in advance and I was caught a little bit off guard and learned a lot of lessons. I managed to follow my plan and stay consistent with what I needed to do, but it just meant that I had very limited options, which I wasn't too happy about. So lesson learned next time I travel. And this was, you know, a unique situation of relying on restaurants for three meals a day for seven days. That's a lot of restaurant meals to manage. Um, you know, that's not going to come up very often in my life. But now I definitely learned my lesson that I will not set myself up for that in the future. 
and I will definitely do more research in advance. But what I did think to do, thank goodness, was I had packed my suitcase with a bunch of snacks. I have a great gluten-free pretzel from a company run by a friend of mine. Um, I'll link this in the show notes for you. Um, And I packed a bunch of bags of those and I packed a bunch of protein bars, my favorite protein bars. I'll link those as well. And those are really a lifesaver because there really weren't a lot of carbohydrate options that were feeling safe to me. Um, So at least I had those. And that got me through probably the first four days or five days of the trip until we ran out. Um, But I survived. And now I'm so happy to be back home in my kitchen, having full control of my meals. And now it feels easy peasy again. So there you have it, the journey of finding out that it would be beneficial to remove gluten, going through all the phases, all the feels, and then getting to a place of taking action and wrapping my brain around it, doing some research, and then doing it long enough until it becomes automated and doesn't require a lot of thought and is really very doable. So I hope that if you listening are in a situation where you have wanted to eliminate gluten or you have been told that you need to, or if you know a friend who is going through this, please send this podcast episode to them. My hope is that it will help other people who are at the very beginning of the journey and just trying to wrap their brain around it. And I want you to know it is possible. It is doable. And You are 100% worth it. Your health is 100% worth it. So it is absolutely worth the investment of time and energy upfront so that you get to the place where it can become more automated. I hope this was helpful. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode and check out the show notes. I'll I'll link some of those products that I mentioned that I love that are lifesavers for me. And hey, if you have any tips for great gluten-free products that you love, send me a message. I'm always open to learning more. Okay, have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Healthy Habits for Life. If you loved today's episode, please follow me on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. These are so important and will enable others like you to find this podcast. Also, please share this podcast with your friends you know would also love it so we can get the word out. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week.